1: Welcome back to the Chris and Joe show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum and we're talking New York Giants football as always as they're getting geared up and ready to go for week two against the Buffalo Bills at one o'clock. Coming off of a pretty difficult loss against the Dallas Cowboys that really looked sloppy at times. This is a really big opportunity for them to bounce back, right Chris? Yeah, this is definitely
2: a winnable game which
1: is a good thing to have when you're at your home opener. Yes, yeah, certainly, and especially for the fans that are coming into this game. Um, hopefully they get to see a good uh, a good showing by the Giants and a, a productive day by them. But per, you said it perfectly, a winnable game, a winnable opponent. But that does not mean that they should not be undermined for um, how scary good this defense might be that they're facing this weekend, which we're going to go into full depth in breaking down So going right into it, Chris, this team, this defensive unit that the Bills have in Buffalo, um, has some pretty good pieces that aren't really household names at the moment. How do you think that they need to approach this game to effectively move the ball against this defense? Yeah, I'm going to say
2: carefully. Just looking at X's and O's things, It's I think it's a lot of what we had been saying. Feed Saquon Barkley, feed Evan Ingram, put those guys in position to use their athleticism to make plays. I'm not sure how much the Giants can count on their wide receiver position, especially just because Sterling Shepard is in the concussion protocol, so there's no guarantee that he will be active for this game. So their two best receiving threats are going to be Ingram and Barkley and Barkley is obviously going to be their best running threat.
1: They're really going to uh, need to lean on Ingram and Barkley, especially because of how talented the secondary is for the bills. They've got the uh, guys like Tredavious White and uh, Micah Hyde. So there's not really a a, a threat for the giants in the receiving group, especially with Sterling Shepard out. This unit seems to continuously uh, thin out over time. Uh, Even if we have Sterling Shepard for this game, on Sunday, their best option might be on the ground, might be pounding the rock and actually feeding the ball to Saquon Barkley more than the 11 times we saw on this past weekend. But you, you do hope, though, that Evan Ingram has another productive day, and I would not be surprised if he does so again this weekend against the Bills.
2: Yeah, I pretty much count on Evan Ingram having a productive day every week, as long as the Giants are smart about how they use him. You know, if they Don't take him off the field too much. If they feed him the ball, limit those three-yard crossing routes as much as they can, and really give him a chance to use that explosive athleticism, get those mismatches, and then do what he does. Be too fast for linebackers, too big for defensive backs, although there's one matchup they might have to watch, and that's uh, Tremaine Edmonds the Bills linebacker. He is one of the few linebackers who might not be in a mismatch situation against Ingram.
1: Yeah, especially considering that he's 6'5 and can run a, I believe he ran a sub 4'5 or, or in that 4'5 range at the Combine, so freakishly athletic. I, I would not be surprised if he was able to keep up with Ingram.
2: Ingram might be able to win a race, you know, no pads, and if they had an even start, but on a football field, He is one of the few guys I think could actually run with Ingram and effectively cover him. So that, I think, is a matchup the Giants are going to have to watch. They're going to have to scheme around that. Either maybe use some RPOs and put Edmonds in conflict or maybe create a natural rub, maybe use some mesh concepts, something like that to really create and scheme the separation to get those run after catch yards that the offense depends on.
1: So speaking about the passing game, and I lightly touched upon it, is how this pass defense looks for the Bills. They have some younger guys that are very, very talented, and they also have some veteran leadership there. Uh, The big name that really comes to mind is Tredavious White, who might not be a huge household name, but is a very good young corner uh, very early on in his career. They also have Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, uh, some of the other big names that are in this secondary. Is there any um, aspects that you see from the secondary that they really need to be worried about? Actually, I might be worried about the Bills blitzing
2: out of that secondary, because as you mentioned, they've got a good secondary, and especially with the Giants receiving core depleted, they don't need to drop seven in coverage to keep the Giants receivers in check. So I would pay attention for blitzes. Uh, Poyer got one of the Bills four sacks against the Jets, and I would look for them to try to do that some more, try to rattle Eli Manning, maybe create some confusion on the offensive line, get a free rusher, and really disrupt the offense that way.
1: Yeah, that's honestly an underrated thing that you don't really consider, is that they have those talented guys um, at corner and able to cover, so you can create pressure easily if you don't have to worry about guys in one-on-one situations getting beat like that. The other thing that is young and developing for this Bills defense is their defensive line and also their run defense. So we already talked a little bit about Um, Tremaine Edmonds but they also recently drafted Ed Oliver a part of their defensive line who are some of the other really big names um, that stick out to you that can be uh, game changers
2: you know uh, from one there's the guy who's going to be next to Ed Oliver Star Latulule, who should be familiar at least to the Giants brass because he was drafted by Dave Gettleman and offensive coordinator Mike Shula coached against him in every practice he is not the disruptive defensive tackle that you would expect out of a first round draft pick but he is a very solid defensive tackle and a very good run defender ed Oliver he didn't get one of the sacks in week one but he does have the potential to be scary he's still working on his technique his hand his hand usage and all that but his strength his burst his athleticism you have to watch for that especially with Kevin Zeitler possibly dealing with an injured shoulder there was one play where Oliver almost looked like Reggie White and I don't mean the undrafted receiver with just a really good burst off the off the snap that classic Reggie White hump move and he just threw the Jets right guard out of the bar and was back in Sam Darnold's face.
1: I I think the one thing with Ed Oliver, and you said that he's still working on his technique and and still developing a little bit, even though he's not fully there, the one thing that is scary about him is that he still finds ways to draw attention from opposing teams' offensive lines. So maybe he's not uh, generating those statistics by racking up sacks or tackles for losses, um, which he didn't do a ton of in his first game, but he still requires a lot of attention, which... Ultimately, will free up other guys and especially will free up a very talented linebacking group for the Bills.
2: Buffalo's edge players, uh, Jerry Hughes, Shaq Lawson, I believe are their starters. They're not great, but they're not bad either. And if the defensive tackles are drawing that attention, Latouille is commanding a double team, Oliver is maybe forcing the Giants to slide their protection his way, then that is going to create opportunities for the edge guys. Even though Nate Solder played well, uh, Mike Remmers wasn't bad, the Bill's Edge guys really only have to get lucky once. And if they're getting one-on-ones again and again and again... The Giants' offensive tackles have to be perfect all game. And then you also have, again, those linebackers, guys like uh, Lorenzo Alexander. They use him kind of almost as a Swiss Army knife. He'll line up at linebacker one play, edge another. I think they've even lined him up inside a defensive tackle once or twice. That's another thing just to keep in the back of your head as you're watching the game is the Giants are going to have to try to find him and make sure he's not going to be coming out of nowhere.
1: So we we spent the time to take a look at the defense. Now, right after we take a very quick commercial break, we're going to be breaking down how this Bills offense will look on Sunday when the Giants face them.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: So this Bills offense is really not as scary as the Bills defense might be, but it is still young. It still has a little bit of star power to it, and the obvious level of star power comes from uh, the big name, and that's Josh Allen. He might not be the most talented quarterback, but he's still a very, very athletic quarterback at that. We've seen him jump over guys. We've seen him run very well and effectively. He's got a cannon for an arm. Not the most accurate but do you think that um, he could be a legitimate threat and look maybe not as good as Dak, but look good in this game if the Giants aren't careful? I think he could hurt them if they're not careful. I'm not.
2: I'm not going to go out on a ledge and say he could look really good. But his arm talent and arm talent is definitely the most overrated aspect of quarterback evaluation. But his ability to really force you to defend the entire field, is going to stress the Giants' secondary. Can Antoine Bethea cover that much ground if, say, the Giants have Antonio Hamilton on the field and John Brown gets going, gets a step on him? Can Bethea get over there to cover a 50-yard bomb? And can the Giants be disciplined enough in their run defense to contain Josh Allen as a running threat? That's one thing they will have to be careful of with their pass rush because, as we saw last week, they're probably going to have to really try to sell out to generate much of a pass rush, even though the Bills don't have a great offensive line. I think they were even rotating and mixing and matching players last week. But if you lose the discipline, if you lose contain on a quarterback like Allen, he can get out in space and hurt you.
1: One thing that needs to be... I think the, a big focus is that even if they're effective in slowing down their short passing game and not allowing things up the middle like they did last week, they need to be very careful that they don't allow any deep passes because that's how this Bills uh, offense can stay in the game if they're struggling and not moving the ball quickly. They have a, um, a lot of very fast receivers, very specifically John Brown being the, the fastest one, And at any point in time, Josh Allen can unload a, like you said, a 50-yard bomb and they can score a touchdown and get right back into it. So at any point in time, they need to be prepared for something like that to happen because they have that big playability because of the explosive players on, um, on their offense. So going back to Josh Allen, though, how do you think that they need to approach just trying to neutralize him? Because like you said, he can be effective and he can have a good game if they let him but it doesn't seem like he's that hard to to keep out of the game.
2: For me, it's just going to be playing smart and making sure the Bills pay for any mistakes they make. Allen had four turnovers in the first half against the Jets. Nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, if an offense commits four turnovers, they lose. But this was just that one time where the Jets couldn't capitalize. And a big part of that was the Bills' defense. But the Giants need to make sure that if Josh Allen makes a mistake, if he throws one of those 10-yard slants that sails five yards over the receiver's head, they need to make sure they make him pay for that. Recover fumbles, uh, pick off off-target passes, and then get points for it. They can't just trade the ball back and forth, trade three and outs, things like that, because then eventually... One team is going to have a big play, and as we saw from the Giants, their defense can't really be trusted to hold up all game long, especially if you have big play threats on the other side, which one we didn't mention is rookie running back Devin Singletary, who averaged even more yards per carry than Saquon Barkley. He had 70 yards on just four carries, which is kind of stupid.
1: Yeah, We're, we're going to get to Devin Singletary very very soon, but just staying on the topic of, of Josh Allen, it, one thing that I really noticed from him is that he just does not have that natural touch yet. He, he has a very, very big arm, but he doesn't have that ability to um, fit the ball in those tight windows consistently. So I, I just think a really big thing is just don't allow him to make easy throws. Don't leave those opportunities for wide-open receivers. Um as you know, limit that as often as possible or as much as possible because if you make things easy for him, he's obviously going to end up playing well. He's very, very inconsistent. If you allow him to be inconsistent, that's when they end up in those three and out type situations where he completes around 50% of his passes and maybe only throws for 170 yards. But like most quarterbacks, if he starts to get hot, he is going to continue to ride that. So there's not really any big names I would say as far as their offensive weapons and you hit on one of their weapons that they have that NFL fans have not been exposed to a ton yet. But who are some of the other major offensive weapons that need that they need to be aware of?
2: The one I'm really paying attention to and I already mentioned him is Devin Singletary
1: partly because he's
2: on my fantasy team and I just moved him up into a starting spot. But also I just loved him coming out of the draft. Yeah. He's not a big running back, but nobody ever told him he was small. He takes on contact as a pass blocker. He's willing, and he's not bad at it either. He has phenomenal contact balance. It is very difficult to bring him down. He's got that ability to just disregard arm tackles, so the Giants have to make sure they wrap him up. Otherwise, he will bounce off, run through, and keep going. So uh, who are some of the guys you were looking at?
1: Well, besides Singletary, and I obviously noticed him too for his efforts on the ground, but he can also be very much a receiving threat as a dump-off guy for Allen if he gets in any type of trouble. Um, But John Brown, who we already alluded to, is a big play receiver. He's not going to really burn you for 10 catches and 100 and something yards he's gonna rack up maybe four or five catches but again where he kills you is in those 25 plus yard receptions those big plays those chunk plays which no defense can really allow um if if they're effective in really keeping him that major weapon out of the game that will make things a lot harder for uh, Josh Allen. But besides that, Zay Jones has not really lived up to the hype that he was supposed to be as a second-round pick out of Eastern Carolina a couple years ago. But I don't think that that means he can't be a consistent option for Josh Allen in this game. So they need to be very much aware of where he is on the field at all times.
2: Yeah, and I would just add one more, and this is just – Bad memories from Giants games past. Cole Beasley, I think there have been too many instances when he was with the Cowboys where all of a sudden he just snags the ball out of the air and the Giants are falling on the ground not tackling him and he turns a little quick pass into a longer gain, and it's just very, very frustrating. I think if they're able to lock down Singletary, lock down John Brown, they can't let Zay Jones and Cole
1: Beasley beat them. When you look at this receiving group and just their weapon arsenal that they have going for them, there's no one that's really that talented. Cole Beasley is on the older side of 30, if I'm correct. Like I said, Zay Jones hasn't really played up to his potential. Um, John Brown is not a consistent threat, but he can be a threat in games. I don't think it will very much take a lot to neutralize them, but there's enough players in that group of, of, uh, of weapons for them that if you're not paying attention to one of them, they can end up sneaking out and picking up a big play or a long touchdown, which has been essentially the way that they're scoring a lot of their points.
2: Yeah, which makes sense given Josh Allen's profile as a quarterback. If you pay attention to him, keep him contained, he's not really going to kill you, but you never know when he's going to either break a run or just unload a shot downfield and receiver comes down and all of a sudden they're knocking on the door. And just, again, because the Giants defense and what we have seen consistently from them should probably throw out uh, rookie tight end Dawson Knox as well. I don't recall him really being a contributor in the first game. Just looking at it now, he had one reception for one yard, but just as a guy who has the physical skills to be dangerous even if he is a very unfinished product after being an afterthought in Ole Miss's offense. If there's a get healthy, get on track game for a tight end, it's against the Giants defense.
1: The last thing I think needs that needs to be considered about how this Bill's offense looks, and we've briefly touched on it in different aspects, is the running ability for Josh Allen. He's a very athletic quarterback. Um Like I said earlier, we've seen him jump over people. We've seen him elude people looking almost like a very, very large running back, uh, which you really wouldn't expect when you look at Josh Allen. Do you think that his ability is enough for them to maybe put a spy on him um, in those third and five or longer situations just to play it safe? Or do you think that they're better off... Um, trying to generate some pass rush and using that extra, you know, linebacker, whoever you'd have the spy on him in coverage. I,
2: I'm not sure the Giants have the bodies to spare in coverage, just based on what we saw in the first game. I don't think putting a spy on Allen is a bad idea, but you also don't want to take the player out of coverage who might be needed, if only just to make sure that. Bethaya and Ogletree and Hamilton, if he's on the field, don't have that much field to cover. I think that's something the Giants should look at, but only do it if they have to.
1: Yeah, that, that's the best way of observing that is that if he really does start to burn them, maybe lean towards that a little bit more. But considering how they looked Against pass, uh, against pass plays last week. I don't think they're really in the best position to be doing something like that and, and essentially wasting a guy that could be in coverage. Um, so the last thing that I think a lot of people might be considering, uh, especially because we got to see a little bit of Daniel Jones last week, is what do you think could lead to another potential Daniel Jones setting, good or bad? What do you think might lead to it?
2: Well, there's the obvious one that we just do not want to see, and that is if Eli Manning has to come off the field. You know, we don't want to see that at all. But otherwise, I think same circumstances as last week. For some reason, good or bad, the game is over in the fourth quarter. If the Giants are down by three scores and the offense is just spinning its wheels, doing nothing, they'll probably get the kids some reps, maybe even earlier than inside the two-minute warning. And if the Giants offense all of a sudden clicks and they're up by three scores and maybe the defense is playing well or Josh Allen is having a very not good day, then again, they'll probably do like they did in the second Washington game last year. Pull Eli, give him the rest of the day off and put Daniel Jones in. Let him run the offense, play against NFL players at at a full speed game.
1: You don't really see that that that, that often in the NFL, it seems like. It seems like that's more of a college thing, but we already saw it in week one that they're not afraid to put Daniel Jones and get him a little bit of experience. I I would not be surprised if this is a reoccurring theme, if they're in a game and they're winning with a big enough margin or if they're out of a game and they're losing by a big enough margin. I think they're really just going to try and push him in there as many times as possible because the reality of it is – He is the future of this team. Eli Manning only has so much time left. So, hey, like you said, if if they are in a good situation and they're up by enough, maybe he does get in there again. Would not be shocked if that is the case.
2: Yeah, which might even be the plan going forward rather than benching Eli and doing something like they did back in 2004 with Kurt Warner. Maybe they'll just wait for those opportunities to put Jones in to present themselves and just be prepared to have him go in at any time in any week rather than having a cutoff, okay, we are out of the running, let's put Dan Jones in.
1: That, that sounds like the most reasonable approach to it and hopefully things are going well and that is how things end up turning out for him. But that is going to be it for us, folks. Thank you for listening into the Chris and Joe show. Make sure you subscribe, uh, subscribe, rate, and review Uh, wherever you're listening to us and you can find us pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast also make sure you follow big blue view on social media the twitter handle is at big blue view and our instagram is at big underscore blue underscore view thank you for tuning in